We just we start talking when we're ready to talk. Okay. Are you ready to talk? If I have to be. Yes, of course, I'm ready to talk. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Emily. Hi, I'm Andy. And this is Movies Ma- and Madness. Madness and Movies, right. the other way. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to keep the order straight. Yep, yep. Of course, it's do. it's important. Yes, there are two M words in a row, and mm-hmm. I know that's confusing to listeners. We have to be strong for them. Yeah. If we don't keep it straight, who will? <laughs> Very that's true. what you need to ask yourself every night. <laughs> yeah. If not us, then who? Yeah. So tonight's film yes. is the Blues Brothers. Should we should we say what we do first? Oh, yeah, we should. Yeah, let's introduce what we're actually here for. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... We we need, like, a catchy way to say this. Yeah. Right? Like, a quick, like, pithy three-word, like, we blank with blank. (laughs) Or that's why we something something, or the show where we take a look at thing, but not the... the. Yeah, the show where we look at madness in film and madness in the media. We filter madness through the lens of pop culture? Yeah, I like that. Okay. 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 The show where we filter madness. Hold on, that, does that feel right? Yeah, I think okay. so. The show where we filter madness through the lens of pop culture. Analyze. Assess. Assess the state of madness. Sure. Welcome to Madness and Movies, the show where we assess madness through the lens of pop culture. (laughs) My name is Andy. And I'm Emily. And we're actually starting the show now. (laughs) 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 Our movie this week is The Blues Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Recommended to us by a loyal listener. Mm -hmm. So loyal that he started listening tonight. Mm-hmm. And are we sharing his name? I don't think it's important. Okay. I think our, our listeners simply appreciate that we appreciate them. It's Andy's brother. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers <laughs> for something. <laughs> we do um, have a strict policy of nepotism in this show. <laughs> if, you, if you know one of us very well and um, you recommend a movie... We will probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> Blood relatives and extremely close associates only. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Should we tell them that sarcasm or just let that, <laughs> or we just let that hang? Just let that hang. <laughs> okay. Okay. So. <sighs> This movie has a special place in my heart. This is, um, well, this is my dad's favorite movie. Uh, and so I've grown up around the Blues Brothers. I've, I, I think I literally can't count the number of times I've watched it. It's, it's got to be well over 20 or 30. It's, it's very familiar to me. And so this was like a fascinating experience to like, sit down and watch this movie that I like take for granted like it's like comfort food it's like 
I don't know. It's like eating macaroni and cheese and suddenly, like, noticing the intricate textures and the interplay of the different ingredients and going, like, huh. I never noticed all the complexity in Kraft mac and cheese. It's just comfort food. You just eat it, you just watch it, and it's safe and comfortable and familiar and happy. And then, so to watch it with this specific agenda in mind, I don't know, really changed my understanding of the film. Hmm. Um, This was my second time watching it. Yes. So I am still new to the film. and um, Well, you've seen it twice now. You're not yeah, new anymore. that's true. <laughs> um, Most people never get around to a second time with anything. You are, you are now experienced. <laughs> true. Compared to you, though. Oh, well. Not I mean. really. Compared to you, I'm new to the film. Okay. Yeah, yeah, relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah. It's all about your frame of reference, man. Yes. <laughs> um... So correct me if I'm wrong, but I was watching this film and going like, ah, it all makes sense now, and like scribbling mad notes. And I don't feel like you had the same kind of like revelatory moment. Yeah, I saw some madness in it. There, there was some, and um, yeah, I'm, I, I felt like, yeah, there's definitely content to be analyzed and discussed, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not have the same reaction you did, so I'm really interested in hearing about, yeah, how you saw Madness. But first, we should probably give a synopsis. Yes, plot synopsis, good. Walk through the the plot. Should so, I? Do you? Do I can start. Can, um, <laughs> can, can I? Yeah. <laughs> Jake and Elwood Blues, the Blues Brothers, are on a mission from God to put the band back together. Oh, um, Jake has been in jail. Jake went to jail, so the first scene is him getting out of jail. Jake and Elwood blues, then um, go to they 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 were raised in an orphanage by a nun. The nun says, "Oh, they're shutting this place down," and so the Blues Brothers are on a mission from God to put their band back together and save the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, they piss off the Illinois Nazis. The state troopers, um, bands, venue owners, the like. And all of this culminates in one gigantic, you know, one final blowout um, performance by the Blues Brothers, uh, where all of their all of their supporters and all their enemies all come together under one roof. The Blues Brothers play the show, get the money, escape, and, and then... Um, Yeah, and they're chased, and they set the whole city on fire, and they destroy a record-breaking number of prop cars, and but they get the money to the the tax assessor's office, and they save the orphanage, and then they go to jail and live happily ever after in jail, (laughs) (laughs) playing their music in Mm -hmm. jail. Yep. Um, Having learned nothing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, Yeah. Oh, and uh, one other obstacle they run into is Jake's. Crazy ex-girlfriend. Well, you don't know. You don't know for a very long time. That's true. You don't know who she is. You just see some woman, played by Carrie Fisher, trying to shoot them. Or set them on fire. She, yeah, she's trying she's to She's got a flamethrower. She's got a missile launcher. She's got an assault rifle. Yeah. Planted explosives in their apartment. Like, we're talking everything. Everything over the top and ridiculous. She's got it. Yeah, and you don't know who she is. And then finally it's revealed that... She's his ex-girlfriend, and he's... Fiancé. Yes, ex-fiancé. And 
she and he stood her up at the altar. Yep. And so that is her motivation for trying to kill him. Trying to, yep, yep. Yeah. Set them on fire and destroy them in the most elaborate ways. Mm-hmm. So. So. What is your, you said you have a theory on this film. Yeah, so I have, I have a few different theories. <laughs> Some of them more grounded than others. Mm-hmm. Um... My biggest one, my biggest one is the, 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 ah, this explains everything moment is when Jake, when, when they they go to this church led by the Reverend James Brown, uh, they, they have a moment, right? Where Jake is, is skeptical and like, ah, what do I need to go to church for? And then a beam of light pours through the pours from the sky and directly onto him. And they have this moment where James Brown is yelling, "Do you see the light?" And everyone else around him is like, "What light?" And Jake is like, "I see it. I understand." And like, and this is the moment where he like understands his mission. And he says, "We're putting the band back together. We're putting the band back together." And so my theory, my fundamental theory is that this is essentially a divergence of the universe that that from this point out Jake is living in a completely different subjective universe Mm -hmm. than everyone else in the movie that this is not it's not like a time travel movie it's not like ah he was transported to an alternate universe Mm -hmm. it's that his the rules of the universe, right? The, the the dictate your actions and what's acceptable and what's possible. Mm. The that universe completely changed for him and for no one else. Mm. And so he goes through the entire movie operating on a completely different set of rules and principles than anyone else, than the band, than his own brother, right? The the entire movie, like every joke, every scenario is Elwood doing some uh, sorry Jake doing something ballsy and or ridiculous but just playing it straight just absolutely 100% you know like zero doubt in his mind he's just like um for example at Bob's Country Bunker they they impersonate another band they imper- and uh when that other band shows up Jake just walks right up to them he just walks up and goes, uh, excuse me, I'm from the union. And uh, hey, boy, you know, do you boys have your union cards and talks them out of, you know, playing the gig and like convinces them that he's really a union rep and that he's here in their best interests. And we need to, you know, we need to sort this out and I'll go talk to the management and blah, 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 blah. And you stay here. You guys stay here. And and his, as he's pulling off this elaborate, insane ruse. His brother Elwood just kind of like shrugs and goes, "We're gonna go talk to Bob, right?" Like, like Elwood the entire time is like apologizing for Jake and like always like one step behind him trying to keep up. And I think that's the representation of everyone else in the universe. Mm-hmm. And that's, I th- I think everyone else like sees Jake as kind of like crazy for that. Yeah, that he's absolutely he's like, who is this madman that thinks he can just drive through them all. Who is this madman that thinks he can just walk up there and tell these musicians, like, I'm a union rep, and, like, talk them out of playing their gig? Who is it? But it works. It works every time. But but 
he's operating on a completely different set of principles and no one else can understand that and that's and he's perceived as as kind of like mad yeah because of that I really like that. Yeah, is and is he the one? One of them has the line that is, keeps being repeated. We're on a mission from God. Is he the one who? <laughs> they both say that off and on. Okay, okay. I yeah. think I think sometimes Jake says it as like a like insisting like no, you don't understand. It'll all work. This is all going to be fine. Yeah. We're on a mission from God, and I think Elwood says it sometimes as kind of like an apology, as sort of like. We are on a mission from God. Like, maybe let him off easy. Like, like, eh, don't be rude to him. We're on a mission from God. I'm sorry. He's kind of weird like that. Eh, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay. I totally see madness in it now. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the podcast, everybody. <laughs> give us your uh, give us your suggestions for next week. Uh, we'll. <laughs> Because I, I think madness, yeah, the, the main argument that I love to make about madness is that it's very logical. It's very yes. rational. Yes. Highly rational. It 100% makes sense. Justified, yeah, but to everyone else, it's not. Because they're not mm-hmm. even bothering to ask why. And they're yeah. immediately, their instinct is to punish. And well, so, yeah. And also, even when they do ask why, all he says is, we're on a mission from God. So, like. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> But, but I feel like they don't even, like, go deeper. They're, like, they, oh, they, they the, could Oh, yeah, they're ask. just, like, oh, okay. They could <laughs> ask, like, what, what's the mission? Like, so he, so, yeah, um, Jake has this incredible mission. He is saving an orphanage, and it's not some, yes. like, you know, white savior thing where yeah. it's, like, gross and paternalistic. Like, it's an orphanage where he was as where, a kid. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he is 100% rational in trying to do this. Yes. Like, he has all the reasons in the world um, and, um, yeah, and he basically is told constantly, yeah, that he's crazy and, um, basically, so yeah, he's, he's punished. Um, that's kind of the first response. And I, I kind of wrote out this, this like cycle okay, in my okay, notes, hit me with the note. um, that, yeah, like first someone tries to do something rational that maybe seems just like a little bit implausible, um, And then, but then because it's like a little bit implausible or inexplicable, it seems a little mad, then they get punished. So there's the infliction of pain. Um, And then they try to avoid that punishment or evade it in some way. Um, And that, of course, leads to a more severe punishment, a more severe infliction of pain. All of a sudden, it's not like oh, you're, you know, you're going to get... The first time he tries to evade arrest, he, like, runs from the cops and, like, drives through the mall. Um, mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden it's not just that, like, he's going to get arrested. It's, like, or, you know, a little bit punished. Like, he's going to get arrested for driving through a mall. Yeah. Like, he's in big trouble. And then, big. you know, because he's running from that, um, he, now he's evading charges of running, th- you know, driving into a mall. Um and so it just gets this like into this really really big cycle of you know being mad and then others responding without you know asking why um if people had just asked like oh like he's doing this to like save an orphanage it's 
pretty rational things would have turned out differently, but instead the instinct was to punish, and then he's going to avoid the punishment, and that's going to lead to even further consequences. And I think that's that's how the criminal justice system works for a lot of people. That's how the psychiatric yeah. system works for a lot of people. Yeah, that it's, it's it kind of like it starts off that Elwood just like, well, yeah, he falsifies his his return his his home address, and then. But yeah, and then like runs a red light, and so now the cops are like pissed, like, oh, this guy thinks he's clever, thinks he's real clever, huh? <laughs> and then, yeah, and then thus begins the escalation. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's actually a scene, like one of the first scenes is, um, it's pretty funny. They decide to go see the nun who runs their orphanage yes. um, the day that Jake gets out of prison. The penguin. <laughs> yeah, I love that. You said um, you were going to go see the penguin. <laughs> so they go see the penguin. Um, and she, yeah, this is how the scene goes. Like, she basically tells them, um, you know, we we have to, um, we, we owe the state $5,000 or we're going to get closed down. Yeah. Um, and so then he says, oh, I can get you $5,000. And she says, no, I don't want stolen money. Like, it needs to yeah, be money yep. that you earn. Um, and what does he say? He says something like, shit. Well, you're really up shit creek then. Yeah. <laughs> and then she, like, hits him with her yeah. ruler. Yeah. And then he goes, like, shit or something. And then. Yeah, and, and then she, Yeah, she hits shit, him again. Fuck. Ow, ow, and Jesus, come on. Ow, yeah. ow, 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 ow. <laughs> then he's responding to the pain. And then he's, yeah, he's like, shit, goddammit. And then she, like, hits him again. And then he, like, responds even worse. And, like, she, and then she, like, inflicts more pain because his <laughs> language is bad. So I, I wrote out this other cycle in that scene that was. Yeah. Pain leading to the expression of pain, which leads to the infliction of pain as punishment, which leads to the expression of more pain because of the infliction of pain and then uh, the infliction of more pain to, as punishment. And like, it's just, it just perpetuates and goes on and on and on and never ends. And I, I thought that that scene was like so funny and also perfectly captured the dynamic yeah. of the mental health system that yeah. like you're in pain. And so you're expressing your madness in some way. And then the psychiatric system comes along and they're like, Oh, you know, what's a really logical response to this. We're going to lock you up and then you're locked up and then you're like, really? freaking out and then you're like you know you, that escalates you're expressing pain even more and now they're like whoa look how crazy you are like we're gonna like inject you forcibly and then you're like really freaked out really terrified someone's about to forcibly inject you and then you're like gonna like you know defend yourself and so you attack you you fight back you hit the nurse you hit the doctor and then it's like oh now this person's like a crazy like dangerous mad person violent like they really need to be locked up for good and before you know it you're on this like long-term hold or you're you know you're charged with a violent crime or assault or you're in the criminal justice system you know and and then it just escalates further from there and it just keeps going and going and so yeah and what stands out to me about that is that it's incumbent upon you to yeah. break the cycle mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is going to keep happening until you stop yeah because no one else is going to go 
oh, you're on a mission from God. Like, or, oh. That makes sense. <laughs> you're on a mission to defend yourself. Like, you're on a mission to do whatever it is that is, like, actually probably rational or at least, like, seems rational to you. Let's find out more about that and, like, discuss how we can move through this, you know? Um, if, if someone had found out, like, if someone had asked him, like, what is your mission or like delved into it? And he was like, I'm saving an orphanage. They would have found a way for him to save an orphanage early on without having to drive through a mall. (laughs) But (laughs) nope. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, so one of the things that I was trying to figure out through the whole movie is that our, our I guess I think a lot of comedy comes from this place of not understanding someone's intentions. Mm-hmm. That that's that's at the root of a lot of it. Uh, it's sort of like, oh, why would he do that? Or like that's such a that's such a ridiculous response to this situation. Whatever, it's fundamentally about not understanding or not expecting what's coming from the other person. Uh, And so a lot of that does boil down to, you know, that is, you know, not understanding someone is is also a lot of how we define crazy. Like, well, why would he do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why would he do any of that? Mm -hmm. But I was trying to figure out through the movie... Why, for Jake and Elwood, it's okay. They're doing unexpected things, and we're like, ha-ha, that's funny. They're the good guys, we're with them. But when Carrie Fisher does something unexpected, like step out from behind a gas station holding a flamethrower, she's the villain. Well, I think you just got to a really important part of it, which is gender. Um... My first note. Okay. <laughs> my my first note is reckless driving, used comment used condom. If they were women, they'd be mad for sure. Um because one of the first scenes you see is um he's Elwood is like trying to show off the car. He like got a new yeah, car while Jake yeah. was in prison and he's like trying to show it off and what is he he like jumps over this like Bridge. Yeah, it's one of the, it's one of those. What do you call them? This is the boat. The bridges that split in half so that the boats can go under them. What are they? Yeah, they have a name for those. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know it either. Yeah. Either way, either way, the bridge is starting to go up, so it's kind of separated. It's kind of like a V shape. So it's like a ramp, and then a landing pad essentially is what it looks like. And so, of course, he ramps. He he zooms up the bridge and ramps off it and lands on the other side. And they go, huh? Nice car. Yeah, and like. Okay, like, if he were a woman, we all know he would be diagnosed instantly with borderline personality disorder. If you are a woman and you drive recklessly, like, that is unacceptable in society. But if you're a man and you drive recklessly, I mean, it depends how old you are and how white you are and stuff. But if you're, like, young and white and, like, attractive and people like you and charming, then, like... Well, he likes cars. (laughs) He likes yeah. cars. He's a, he's a bit... He's just... It's just part of being a guy, right? Yeah. Like, it's just... Yeah. And, like, yeah, he also... Um, I think they... When he's, like, taking his stuff, um, he's, like, getting the stuff mm-hmm. he had in yep. prison. Yep. They're giving him all his possessions back as he's leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they give him a used condom. Or, like, that was one of his... Yeah, they're going through the inventory of all the stuff he had when he was arrested. And, yeah. Yeah. For, like... I feel like for... 
female inmates, it's, like, highly stigmatized to have any kind of sexuality, like, that's super wrong and super mad and super reckless and promiscuous and all these things. But for him, that's totally normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Part of my... Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say, I I sometimes think, like, when men do things that are over the top and not understandable, when white men do things that are, like, over the top... Yeah, when John Belushi does. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, when John Belushi... Yeah, then it's, like, comedy. And maybe it's just his acting, too, that might have to do with it as well. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah, then it's comedy. But, like, I feel like no matter how good of an actress a woman is, that would still be mad. And, like, no matter how good of an actor, like, a black person is, that would still be mad. Like, only white men can, like, sometimes get to the level of doing, like, inexplicable things and people still are like, oh, that's kind of funny. He's just being a guy, like, Animal House. Like, it's the funniest thing. It is. It's a hysterical comedy. But if it were done with women, they would be instantaneously, all of them, borderline personality disorder, like, so reckless, so promiscuous. How could they... Yeah, like, or if they were black, it would, like, instantly turn into this, like, racist rhetoric, look at them, you know, but, like, only, yes, people of a certain class and, like, status and race can get away with it. Yeah, yeah. And I do think, I don't know, I I think there's also, I think you're right, but I I think there's also some amount of structural um, in there as well. Mm -hmm. Like, my theory was that... We're given, we're very early given, you know, on a mission from God, yeah. uh, an explanation yeah, for, for, for Jake and Elwood yeah. and Carrie Fisher is just inexplicable, just absolute mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, a mystery that wants to hurt you, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I and think. The, yeah. Yeah, and just the not being given that window into someone else's inexplicable behavior. Mm-hmm. Like, like if we can understand it, we understand why we don't expect to understand it. That's true, yeah. We kind of are given this, like, expectation. We're primed to look at him and be like, oh, he's going to do some inexplicable things over the course of this movie, and it's yeah. going to be kind of funny. He's that kind of guy. It's all for the orphanage, so it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody else in the movie acts very rationally and straight and, I don't mm-hmm. know, um, doesn't do anything outside of, like, you know, ooh, outside of the ordinary. Uh, we don't, we're not giving any explanations for anybody else because they don't need them because they all pretty much just go along with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, except for Carrie Fisher, of yeah, course. Yeah, obviously. She's the only one that, yeah, I guess... I'm gonna put a theory out there. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm just. This popped into my head, and I'm gonna run with it and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. That Carrie Fisher is the only other person living in Jake's world. Hmm. Yeah, I think the, so. The, those those two are operating on the same rules, and so she's the only one that can actually like push back against him. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean. Carrie Fisher, even though she is given eventually an explanation for her behavior mm-hmm. and we understand and it's such a rational reason like if you look at it objectively like if you get stood up on the altar I hope you go and like get, get 
and, and not just stood up. Like she very she explains very you know like how big the wedding was and how this is like put such like hardship on her family and like how we you know they put everything everything into this and then Jake just walked yeah and it's like yeah yeah and so but like we still don't buy her explanation or we're like we as the audience in general we're still kind of expected to sympathize with Jake there's almost this idea of like she oh she's already crazy she came that way. She must have already been crazy. Like, yeah, like no one would be doing, you know, no woman would be doing this with a rational reason. And so there's this idea that, oh, poor Jake, like he is the crazy ex coming. Like he dated someone crazy. We don't blame him for standing her up at the altar. And mm-hmm. now she's mm-hmm. getting real mad. Um yeah, so I think that, like, yeah, even if a woman is given an explanation for her behavior, I think she still ends up being mad. I think that's the difference, too, is that, like, men can be given an explanation and we're like, it's, oh, okay, because we, like, trust them. Inherently, they have credibility. But, like, when a woman is given an explanation, we still don't trust it. We're still going to trust the man more. It's an explanation, but not an excuse. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah. That sucks. I can see why you're doing this, but, like, Jesus, don't. I like that, yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of, um, I read in my addiction textbook this week, I'm in a substance abuse and addiction counseling certificate program, and one of the instructions in my addiction textbook was to make sure that my black clients don't use, um, their experiences of racism as an excuse to continue using Mm -hmm. drugs. (laughs) Um, So Mm -hmm. awful and racist, you know, this like (laughs) to the level of like privilege, just total tone deafness to be like writing this as like a white author and be like, Oh, well, you know, racism isn't an excuse not to, or to use drugs. But, um, Anyways, I I think that's a lot of the rhetoric around madness, too, sometimes, um, especially in marginalized populations. It's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Like, it's hard. They've been through hardship, but, like, okay, but, you know, they can't react to it in any way that's unacceptable. Like, that's still not an excuse. You've got three three acceptable responses. Do you want A, B, C, or... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or other. Yeah. 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 It, it, it occurs to me that in a weird way, I, I almost think to Jake, the whole world is crazy. Everything around him is crazy. And he's, he's just, he just sees himself as just a straightforward, just like, well, I'm just going to straighten it out. Mm-hmm. And he's just ironing out all the wrinkles and just like, well, they, they don't get it. They don't get it. We'll just keep moving. They'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah. It's just, true though. Yeah. He is in this crazy world. Like he's in this like yeah. irrational the capitalist, horrible, oppressive world that's going to shut down his orphanage. Yes. Because they don't have $5,000. And so he is, he's just like going through, like charging through and doing whatever he can to fix it. But also that everything in the universe aligns perfectly mm-hmm. for him to be able to do that. Yeah. That he's, they're right there driving down the road. Um, with the band, right. And the band's starting to get restless because they haven't found a gig yet. Right. They're like, where's this gig and so they, they they pull over on the side of the road and 
They say, like, well, you know, how much money do you have? 30 cents? And Jake says, well, that's enough for a phone call, and goes over and gets in this phone booth. And then, sure enough, they, you know, and then, you know, I, uh, you know, things happen, but it never once, like, everyone in, in the band is, like, going, I don't think there's a gig. I don't think they really have anything. Man, we need to skip, you know, this isn't going to work, this isn't blah, blah, blah. And Jake is like, well, no, if you have 30 cents, I'll fix everything. Mm-hmm. And they find a gig, and it's fine, and then he just keeps doing that. Like, everyone else is, like, doubting and questioning and worrying, and he's just, like... I think he doesn't understand why everybody else is like doesn't understand that he's on a mission from God mm-hmm. and so everything is just going to work we're just going to show up and we're just going to do it and of course it's going to work we're on a mission from God and everyone else is like not on board with that and he's like well screw you I'm just going to you know just, I'm just dragging you along with me mm-hmm. yeah I wonder how his narrative like I, I feel like it could be looked at as a spiritual emergence narrative mm. so in the yeah oh in, in the like mad community oh one oh. one like narrative of madness that a lot of people resonate with um and hold for themselves is spiritual emergence where they have some kind of yeah spiritual awakening but that like manifests as what looks like madness and gets diagnosed they get hospitalized everything like that um but it turns out that um, you know, they're having a perfectly rational reaction to having this spiritual awakening and they're more in touch spiritually. Um, and, you know, all the psychiatric treatment they receive is really harmful to them because it, um, it like hampers their connection with God or yeah, with whatever yeah. spiritual beliefs they have. And so I think, um, I think this could be looked at in that way that he's kind of having like a spiritual emergence. Like he likes, he sees the light and yeah. And then he kind of goes mad. And I think that, that also cool. potentially like that, that maybe is an interesting way to tie in all the like supernatural elements sort of at the orphanage mm-hmm. at the beginning with the, you know, the penguin and whatever, yeah. like also, you know, it's things like, Doors opening themselves and none, you know, and the nun is like, I don't know, levitating, I guess, or like gliding across the floor without moving her feet, like that, you know, little supernatural things like that. I think that's, yeah, it's a potential. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure what the connection is, but those feel like, like if we're if we're fra- framing this as a spiritual awakening, like it, it feels important. Yeah, yeah. Do you? have any ideas on how to like I don't know I'm trying to connect these two thoughts and I'm like uh, it's like one of these like tip of my tongue things like what am I missing I think just that it's a spiritual universe okay yeah like um spiritual universe with some supernatural elements and mm -hmm. that's and Jake is very connected to them and maybe the other characters aren't really but Jake is like noticing and aware and or maybe he doesn't at first, but then when he goes to church and he has this moment, like, yes. then he starts getting in touch with the supernatural. Jake is very much of this world. Mm-hmm. Whatever this movie world is, Jake is the only one who is, like, belongs in it and lives in it and, like, understands it. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is just sort of, like, stumbling through going, like, what? How did that? And, like... Yeah. And I think you're right. He's... he's He's, he's attuned. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, like, really common with a spiritual emergence narrative that, like, people will describe it as attunement. And, 
you know, if you're seeing things that nobody else is seeing, well, that's the definition of madness. But um, if you look at it from a spiritual perspective and you're seeing things that others just aren't attuned to because they don't, you know, share your spiritual belief system and so they're calling mm-hmm. you crazy, like, you know, then it's it's not, it's not irrational. It's perfectly rational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, and that's why, I mean, that's why you can constantly, like, like every time, like, insane things are happening, like, they're just, he's just, ah, new Oldsmobiles are in early this year. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, they're, they're, they're crashing through a mall, and he's just, he's just, yeah. He just knows what's going on. He's just attuned, and he's just, like, totally chill about it. Mm-hmm. He just goes along for yeah. the ride the whole time, yeah. He knows what's happening. Everyone else is tense and freaking out and whatever, and he's like, no, man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really important point. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's spiritually connected. He is. <laughs> <laughs> he has, like, insight and knowledge into the spiritual elements of the world that other people in that universe don't, like, understand. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, wanted, I think we've just cracked the Blues Brothers. <laughs> I think so. I did want to talk a okay. little bit more about yeah, Carrie Fisher's character. T- take it away, please. Um, so, yeah. So, lately, I have been thinking a little bit about um, mad women and just how they're perceived as dangerous, um, but mm. also pitiful, I think. Like, hmm. there's both. Um, yeah, they're like, oh, well, you poor thing. What's driven you to this? Yeah, it, it like, really fascinates me how, like, yeah, they're, they're seen as predatory, especially, you know, women who are, like, borderline or whatever, that they're, like, stalking men and they're bunny boilers and they're dangerous and they're coming after you. But Gone also, girl going to frame you for murder. Totally. But they're also pitiful in the sense that, like they're unloved or they're not loved enough or um they're you know mm. the the women the woman is supposed to be the one who's pursued but these women are doing the pursuing and so that's like pitiful um yeah it's scary and pitiful yeah it's both and that's that's super that like intersection is really fascinating yeah to it, me. it's oh i'm so sorry that you've been pushed to this please do it somewhere else <laughs> yeah or like almost like a laughing and a like Mocking and oh, that's so funny. The woman's like going after the man. She's crazy. (laughs) And but then also like legitimate like fear. Like oh, she's gonna use this as a weapon to like destroy me. Whether it's through you know bunny boiling and physical violence or through manipulation and attention seeking. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a lot recently um, with uh, with a few people um, that a few other mad studies researchers um and who, who are, are Kathleen Lowenstein and Jack Luff oh. thanks to them I've been thinking about this and trying to like develop a better framework for this um and we've been talking about lack of restraint um as being like one of the defining characteristics of madness and and one of the defining characteristics of a lot of like marginalized groups like the the less restraint you are perceived to have um the more marginalized you are and we've been thinking about how that applies to gender and race and um it's really interesting but um yeah, I think mad women are very much perceived to lack restraint um, over their emotions. So they're like very expressive. And um, that's where this idea of like bunny boiling and like stalking comes mm-hmm. from. Is they're like, 
you know, they're not able to control it and to manage it. And like these emotions like overpower them and they project them onto people. Um, and that, you know, usually manipulativeness is seen as like cold and calculating, but specifically in mad women, it's seen as, um, like a lack of restraint. They can't help and, themselves. Just... Yeah. They're using manipulativeness to like seek your attention and like mm-hmm. suck your attention from you. They don't really deserve your attention. They're not in need of care, but they're getting it from you. Um, and, uh, yeah. So like something else that's really interesting. So like you, you see how that makes, um, Carrie Fisher's character very dangerous that she's, you know, she's shooting and trying mm-hmm. to kill the blues brothers. But, um, you also see how this makes her pitiful that, um, as soon as Jake, like basically he responds, um, to her trying to kill him by showing her love and being like, no, I still love you. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. And as soon as she res- as soon as he responds that way, she like immediately like drops the gun. Oh, and, Jake. Yeah. Becomes like, you know, turns into mush and like mm-hmm. loses her power basically yep. instantly becomes pitiful. So yeah, I, I think that there's this really interesting framework of the lack of restraint being seen as like very dangerous and like overpowering but then also being seen as like but not to be taken too seriously not Mm -hmm. to be given too much thought because like really if you just show them even a little bit of love then they just lose it and then they just like fall Mm -hmm. all over you Mm -hmm. and you can have power over them and so it's it's this like double-sided thing and I, I think that's one way that mad women are like really, really marginalized and like mm. perceived to, um, as just like not to have power because if, yeah. even if you are like, you know, some, sometimes people are seen as dangerous and that like gives them some sort of power, yeah. but mad women, it's like, even their dangerousness can't it be fully given. Undercut. Yeah. Yeah. That even can't be given credibility. Mm. So I, I want to do more with that. And I know yeah. that wasn't super well articulated, but I just, I, I'm thinking I a lot about that. I have a feeling this is going to come up again. Oh yeah. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't feel like a one-off, like, well, you know, what if anyway, see you next week. Like this feels <laughs> Yeah, but I, like, I never even thought that I would, like, get to, like, that. Like, I've, I've been playing around with these ideas around, like, lack of restraint and, like, mad women for and manipulativeness and dangerousness and pitifulness for, like, mm-hmm. a while. Oh, and thanks Sarah Knutson and Ginger Hoffman for, like, also um, trying to work me work with me, like, through these ideas. Man, and, it like, is call-out week. It is. Well, I... I Shout-out? I'm, like... Shout well, out. <laughs> I'm, like, just now learning again how to, like, write up citations and stuff and cite people's work in my academic work, so now I'm trying to do it here, I guess. I don't know. That's my, like, instinct. But... <laughs> 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 or it's just I'm I'm a borderline and I don't have a stable sense of self. This is oh. for real. I, I mean, kind of, but like I don't. So I feel like I need to like point to the other people who like have made up the thoughts in my brain. I don't know. It hmm. it gives me like validity or something. Anyways, if you're yeah, if you are constituted of other real 
yeah. tangible parts that, that I must like. Make. Yes. That's the other thing. Good. These people that I'm mentioning are all people that I really like and that are like super awesome. And so it's like, look, look, they constitute my work. They constitute the thoughts in my head. It's awesome. Let me point you to the people. It's great. <laughs> Mad pride. <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, I've been playing around with these ideas for a while now. And so it's like just I'm just starting to like finally develop language and I feel like this Carrie Fisher character really helped me like point to something that I've been yeah. trying to get at. So that's she exciting. really helped to blow it all open. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly that's what happened. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that that's all my notes. Yeah, that's my notes too. I guess that concludes our analysis of the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. So if you have any suggestions for what movies we should do next. Questions and suggestions. Yes. And comments and remarks and thoughts and ideas. Everything. Yeah. Concerns. Questions, comments, concerns, remarks, ideas, thoughts. Criticisms. Prayers, criticisms. Prayers. <laughs> I'll take them. Well, it is like a spiritual emergence it theme. Is. So. Yes. If you want to connect spiritually <laughs> through you prayer. Co- do you want to click connect spiritually? I have a PayPal account that I... <laughs> 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 and would gladly receive, receive your tithings. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, any other housekeeping? Uh, no. Continue to rate us on iTunes. Yeah. Um, you know what we should do? What? We should, some people, some people do a thing, which I'm going to talk to you about off air. Okay. We might do it as a reward <laughs> for people that actually leave us comments and reviews on iTunes. Oh, that's smart. Okay, so get excited for yes. the thing. Yes. I also wanted to mention, um, there have been some great suggestions for films. Yes. Um, we are right now, at least, trying to look at films that like don't explicitly address madness or yes, mental illness, yes, just yes. because films that do like explicitly address madness or mental illness are talked about a lot in this context. But I think that there's something really interesting and cool about talking about films that are not usually considered like madness or mental illness films, um, and just seeing how they can be read in a mad context. Um, yeah, yeah. So if you have suggestions for that, for the kinds of films um, that aren't like explicitly like madness, mental illness films, but have a character that could be read as mad or a situation that could be read as mad, then let us know. Yeah. So for the whatever half a dozen people that recommended A Beautiful Mind, sorry, but like, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really good movie. Yeah. It really is. It's not. It's not our movie yeah not right now at least maybe later on we'll do some of those um i think there's like interesting dialogue that can come of it but yeah yeah we'll attack them head on yes um yeah uh that's all i got yeah okie dokie goodbye everybody bye mad love